Hello, hello, and welcome, Brooke Janicek, to the Leading Your Ship podcast. So excited to have you today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Brooke, I'm going to ask you to, to tell us a little bit about yourself, but just to tee it up and let the listeners know, you have founded a company called The Grow CMO. Yes. And one of my favorite uh, content creators, if you will, on LinkedIn. So everyone stop oh, what gosh. you're doing now and pause the podcast and go follow Brooke on LinkedIn. Um, but you have created a fractional executive company, uh, primarily in marketing, pulling from a lot of household brands that you've had the opportunity to work with and work yes. for and in your, your journey. Um, and what I love so much about your passion about helping brands grow is that I know you're also really committed to personal growth. And I'm excited to have that conversation with you today on how personal growth can really uh, push you forward in so many areas of your life, especially in your professional career. So having said all that, Brooke, could you tell us a little bit about your professional journey and a little bit about yourself? Of course. Thank you for that great intro. Um, so yeah, I uh, am born and raised in Omaha, Nebraska. And so that's where I'm from. That's where my roots are and decided I wanted to be in marketing uh, halfway through college. So like a lot of people, I probably switched my major three or four times and throughout my career have had the opportunity to work at ad agencies as well as in-house. And last year uh, in May, I decided to form my own company. So the Grow CMO, like you mentioned, is um, a fractional leadership solution. And a lot of people don't know what that means. And that's kind of started to take uh, hold lately. There's kind of this wave going over LinkedIn on fractional CFO or fractional COO. But it basically means I'm, I've reached the point where I'm at the executive level and uh, a lot of brands can't hire a full-time CMO. They might not be able to afford them. And so they get to hire a fractional CMO for a sliver of time at a fraction of the cost. So you're right. I'm helping household brands grow and it has been a wild ride. I will probably talk a lot about the journey of entrepreneurship through this, but um, I'm loving it. Uh, most days, some days, like if you'll read on my LinkedIn post, I cry in the shower over some things, but um, it's been going great. Awesome. Awesome. So in terms of, yeah, and I mean, I definitely want to hear about this entrepreneurial uh, journey because yes. I've been on it myself. I know we've, we've shared a lot of um, back and forth and best practices mm -hmm. and what's working and what's not. So thank you for always mm -hmm. uh, being there for me as well. But we've mm -hmm. also talked a lot about just the personal growth and I'd love to hear about some key turning points, maybe in in your life where mm -hmm. you kind of accelerated your own personal growth, because I know mm -hmm. personally without some of the experiences I've had, I, I don't know that I'd be able to be where I am today had I not really invested in that personal growth. So any sort of key turning points that come to mind for you as you think about how you've uh, propelled your personal growth? Yeah, absolutely. There is one pivotal moment for me and I signed up for the Hoffman process, which I know uh, we share in common. Yes. I signed up for the Hoffman process and I was supposed to do the process November of 2020. And obviously that didn't happen. And so they pushed me to February of 21, which is when I took my process. And 
So let's see, we're in 23. So it's really a two year. I mean, the Hoffman process accelerated this personal growth journey for me. And that was the turning point. I learned so much about myself through the process. And as they say, you kind of end up being in this awareness hell where all of a sudden now you, you know, all of the things that you do, your kind of your quirks, your patterns, and then where they came from. And then how do you correct yourself and kind of get alignment with who you truly are, um, who your, you know, authentic self is. And after I did the Hoffman process, I realized um, I had gone, I had gotten divorced. And so that was kind of the impetus for me going to the Hoffman process is I thought, okay, I need to change something here. And I was just really seeking answers for why is this happening to me? Why can't I get X, Y, Z? Um, I'm very high achieving. And so I'm always thinking, okay, what's the next thing that I should get? And I came back from the process and they do guide you through this at the end. They say, okay, within six months, don't quit your job. Don't leave your spouse. Don't move and, you know, pack up and move away because you're just on this high. You feel amazing. So I took, I took that advice to heart and I thought, okay, I'm not going to change my job. I was kind of thinking it was time. And about the six month mark, I thought, okay, I need to change. And I picked up everything. I got a new job. I moved to Texas. And really this was the start of me standing my ground, setting boundaries, being more vocal, being more vulnerable publicly. You, you mentioned that at the beginning of the the podcast, I'm very real on LinkedIn. I talk about what it's like to be an entrepreneur, the good, the bad, the ugly. I talk about my imposter syndrome and I don't know that I would have ever done that publicly two years ago. Mm -hmm. I think this personal growth journey has really catapulted me into a whole new level of self-confidence that I hadn't really uncovered before. And how are you seeing that show up for you in your business today? Yeah. So, uh, one of the things is I, um, just a little backstory. I had, like I said, I moved to Texas for this new role and it became very apparent to me, um, about month two that it was a mistake. And so I was wrestling with what are people going to think if I quit so soon? And if I quit, I'll only have been at this company for three months. I'll never get another job again. So all of these thoughts are running through my mind. And eventually I became physically ill from this and decided, okay, I can't do this anymore. And so I resigned and decided to, you know, bet on myself. And there's a saying that I love leap and the net shall appear. And I decided to go out on my own. And that was the, this is kind of how it started to manifest. And then when you're on your own, you have to promote yourself. And it's crazy because a marketer, you know, that's my, that's my passion. That's what I've been doing for 20 plus years. And then I'm like, how do I do this for myself? Completely and so, different story, right? It is. Yeah. And so really leaning into all of those things I've learned about myself and what am I going to stand for? What are my values? What types of clients do I want to attract that align with my values? And using my values to evaluate if I'm going to work with people or not. And I'm building the plane as I fly it. You know, I've never started a business before. And so I'm really leaning on my instincts, listening to what I want and really kind of having that North star and evaluating, is this going to get me closer to that? So I feel like it's, I don't, I would have never started my own company two years ago. Never. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally resonate with so much that you're sharing just in terms of 
walking away from the Hoffman process with a completely different outlook on life and a completely different set of tools to kind of navigate any challenge or or anything you want to do. And I love what you're saying about getting really clear on your values, the types of people that you want to work with. And I know I talk with a lot of clients about, it's a little counterintuitive, but about getting really crystal clear on exactly what you want to do. And then you start seeing things pop because I think when we're unclear and maybe, you know, you mentioned kind of what are other people going to think? And, you know, I'll just go wherever anybody wants me, whether we know in our heart of hearts or not, if it's a good fit, um, letting go of some of that and getting really confident and clear on exactly what you want versus, well, let me just go, you know, willy nilly and have a million conversations and see who wants me. It's just a completely different way of kind of looking at different circumstances and and building a life for yourself versus maybe just being a victim to your circumstances. You're absolutely right. And I think I don't know that I would have gone on this journey in my thirties. I think I needed to have some life experiences. I needed to go through a painful divorce. I needed to be at a job where I had reached the ceiling and there really was nowhere else for me to go. And I had kind of achieved, if you're just looking at like a checkbox, all the things that I wanted to at that role and then thinking now what, and thinking this can't be it but really not having like a scope or the purview to think, oh, I should start my own business. I just thought, oh, I'm going to follow this linear path and I'm going to get the next role with the next title and the next salary bump. And realizing sometimes that's not what it's all about. And I don't know that I would have, without the self-awareness that I achieved through Hoffman, been able to be so discerning with some of these decisions uh, and have the maturity or the life experience to do it. Yeah. And and what do you think about just being okay with where you're at versus you said you've kind of noticed, you know, got to go get the next, got to go get the next. I think so many of us, uh, so many listeners can probably really relate to that. Well, I need that next promotion just because I do, you know, but how have you sort of gotten more comfortable just being okay with where you're at right now? I will be honest, it is a daily struggle and sometimes hour by hour struggle. I just had this post on LinkedIn that went kind of viral. I mean, for me, 20,000 impressions and like 300 engagements. Fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. I was like, oh gosh, this did resonate with somebody because I talk about the reality of some days, even hour by hour, I'm like, what am I doing? And should I go back to corporate or should I keep doing what I'm doing? And It is a conscious effort to be able to stop those thoughts and say, okay, look at the evidence. Look at the evidence. You've been in business now for over a year. Clients are still hiring you. They're still paying their bills. They're still telling you, you know, hey, we want to give you more work. Those are three concrete pieces of evidence that I have that, okay, you're on the right path and what you're doing is where you need to be. And you and I were just having this conversation too about surrendering to what is. And that is a muscle that you have to work. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I will admit I do not, I, I'm not flexing it as much as I should, but I'm going to try really hard. And a lot of it is just being conscious of my thoughts and taking a deep breath and saying, okay, you're fine. Actually in this moment, everything is fine. You still have paying clients. You still have people interested in working with you and looking at that evidence to say where you're at is just fine. Exactly There's still where you're supposed to be. 
Exactly. And I don't think there's anything wrong with still wondering, okay, is this, you know, is this what it is it for me? But I do have some pretty high uh, milestones that I'm trying to achieve within my personal business. And I haven't done that yet. And so I know I still have work to do here. Yes. Yes. I love all of what you said. So many things going in my, going around in my head right now um, in terms of, you know, muscles. So, you know, we spend a lot of time and I know you're really into physical fitness too. We spend a lot of time strength training our physical muscles. And I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned is I need to be spending as much time, Marianne Klein says, working on those attitudinal muscles. Oh, yes. Right. So, so getting your mindset in a, in a good place and, um, going from weak to strong when it comes to (laughs) those muscles is just as important, you know, and I think that's been a big mindset shift of mine is I've got to spend as much time on my personal growth as I'm putting into growing the business, getting myself physically fit. It's like, okay, got to prioritize over here and work on, on strengthening those attitudinal muscles, so to speak. So you shared a lot about uh, what you've learned in the process of starting your own business. What kind of advice would you give to an up and coming leader or maybe someone who's thinking about starting their own business? What kind of advice would you share? A couple things. Um, two things come to mind right away. One, this one's very practical, but um, hire a bookkeeper right away. Um, <laughs> if that's not your strength, that was yeah. a, that was something I was very glad. That was my first hire um, and setting money aside for taxes. So those are two like very practical tips. But then the third tip is I have found that the more I sought opinions or the more I asked people, Hey, do you think I should call my business this? Do you think I should charge this? The more everybody had conflicting opinions. And I thought, why am I widening my net? So, you know, so far casting my net so wide that I'm asking all these people, inviting them in to make decisions that really I should be listening to myself about. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe find two or three confidants that you really trust that understand your vision and understand what you're trying to do. Um, but then I, I said this to someone else, asking is a form of overthinking. So the mm-hmm. more you ask, you just keep overthinking it. And it's just like, no, just go out and do it. You know, you know, you know that you have this, the skills that's table stakes. I know I can do marketing. Why am I asking somebody if I should, you know, use social media? It's like, Brooke, you know, these answers. So <laughs> So I would say keep your, the opinions that you seek, um, close, you know, and, and a small group because you're going to get people that give you a variety of opinions and some you're not going to like. And then you're like, well, why did I ask them? Because I'm not going to do, I'm not going to follow that advice anyway. So it's just like, you need to move. You need to just, okay. We're like I said, building the plane as you fly it. Some of it is just, you got to try it. That didn't work. Okay. What did I learn from it? Let's try something else. Yeah, it's like listening to and believing that little tug mm-hmm. <laughs> that you think you already know the answer. Well, you do. And it goes back to, you know, the discussion we just had about kind of strengthening that and, and getting more in tune with that, which I know as a fellow Hoffman process graduate, we were sort of taught those those skills. Now, applying them in the day-to-day in the real world is a different story, Right. <laughs> but it takes practice and it takes right. 
strengthening and training, you know? And listening to your body is like, it's crazy. All of the research about the mind body connection, but I've had so many gut feelings. I had a gut feeling about that job that I took in Texas. I ignored it. And look what happened. You know, it was just a, it was not a good fit. And so I, that was the third time that I had not listened to my gut and I thought, what am I doing? You know? So from now on, I have made a lot of decisions based on my gut and my instinct and it has not failed me. And so, like you said, that little tug that you hear, you know, don't ignore that. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, in terms of sort of, uh, changing the way we look at our lives, is, is partly, you know, unwiring some of these things we've sort of been programmed to think. And I think that was a big thing early in my career. I was like, we never use your gut. Like you always have to go off the facts and you have to go off the data. And so I learned to sort of ignore that part. Mm -hmm. Um, But what you're saying is so true that mind body connection. I know I was in a, a really difficult situation that I knew deep down I needed to get myself out of, but I wasn't getting myself out of it. And I wound up getting this massive face rash that no one could Mm -hmm. figure out where the heck it was coming from. It's like, well, my body, yeah, my body was telling me you're in the wrong environment. You need to make a change. And I pushed it away. So definitely uh, getting more wise about tuning into those signals, I think is such great advice, Brooke. Thank you for sharing that. Any sort of leadership, I know you've, you've had the opportunity to lead a lot of people and I know you lead clients and and their teams now as well. What kind of leadership advice would you give to a new leader? So there are two pieces of advice and I can't claim that I came with up with them on my own, but just through my career, I've had the good fortune of working with amazing leaders that I've learned from. And a, a couple things. One is provide a safe environment for your team to fail. So, and what I mean by that is I had a member of my team that uh, she really wanted to hone in on her public speaking skills. And it was, um, she needed to, she, she wanted to be able to present her creative in a compelling way to the client and she was not confident and she kind of stumbled and all of that stuff. And so she came to me and said, I I really want to work on this. And can you, can you coach me? And of course I was so proud of her for even, you know, wanting to do this, but then I gave her small opportunities. Okay. First, we're just going to prove present to our internal team, or we're going to present to a small group of peers where she could start to gain our confidence. And if she messed up, it wasn't, you know, at a, at a big pitch where we would lose, you know, could potentially lose the business. So I think providing a safe environment, um, and allowing your team to, to know that it's okay. If we make a mistake, it's not going to be the end of the world. Um, and then, you know, as you move up the ladder, there's going to be more, less and less that you can let that happen. But I think, um, you know, providing that environment. And then the second thing is really looking at um, the EQ of your team and understanding, um, are they uh, aware of of their actions and how they're presenting themselves and coaching them through that is also a very important skill because oftentimes we're not aware of how we're presenting ourselves. But if we can say, all right, in this meeting, I noticed you did this. Let's, you know, are you aware that this is that you do this. And nine times out of 10, they're like, no, I had no idea I was coming off that way. And so really coaching uh, younger members of the team on their EQ skills is important as well. Yes. 
Yeah, I had a college professor once who said in a business class, he said, if there's one thing I can tell you about business, you should major in psychology. Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand what he, I didn't really understand what he meant Mm -hmm. until I was really in the, in the thick of my career, because when you're leading people, it's all about that emotional intelligence, uh, becomes more and more important the further you get up in your career and the more uh, people you're leading. So one of my favorite books is The Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lencioni. Oh, I haven't read that one. Oh my gosh. It is. It's so, so all of his books are fantastic and they're told in a fable format. So it's, they're super quick. You can oh, get it fun. done honestly in like an hour or two. So he's got The Advantage, The Ideal Team Player. He's got several, but um, The Ideal Team Player is one that I have read several times. I always have my team read it. But uh, at a company I was recently at, we hired and then evaluated our employees on four principles from that book. So it's humble, hungry, smart, which is the EQ piece. And then we added uh, one more, um, one of our company's values. But if you're humble, hungry, and smart, that is, uh, you're an ideal team player. And so we would evaluate on that. And then we even developed interview questions to kind of sniff that out. So one of the interview questions for to sniff out if somebody was humble or not Um would well actually this is the emotional intelligence ones that I loved. I would say if your best friend was sitting in the room with us right now, what would they say that you do that is annoying? And they would just like candidates would it would throw them off for a second. And I was yeah. looking for are they going to be honest and are they going to say you know what I talk too much yeah. and that's great that's yeah. great self awareness and that's also great for me because then I kind of know okay if I'm going to hire this person I don't want to sit them next to the other chatty Kathy and then nothing's going to get. <laughs> Done. <laughs> right. So, and then sometimes you get people to say, "Oh, they would say I'm a perfectionist," and it's like, eh. "Yeah, okay, that's okay." But no answer. But yeah, right. So, um, the ideal team player—it's a great book. So, talk to me about the hungry piece because yeah. I feel like there's a, a a scale of being hungry where you can really feel a desire to learn and be really positive. Uh, but it can also kind of come back to bite you. I think if you're sort of hungry for the wrong things or mm-hmm. hungry for something for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And what we did, and I'm really proud of um, the team that put this together for me at my uh, previous employer was we kind of made the definition, what we needed it to be in our environment. And so for hungry, for us, it was having a bias for action. Yes. And so we wanted to be really scrappy. We wanted to be able to move quickly and we rewarded and, um, you know, coached people on that bias for action. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, we have this initiative we want to do. And again, kind of going back to, it's okay if we fail a little bit, like let's just move forward and just see what happens. And again, I'm not saying let's put a million dollars out into the market and see what happens. These are, you know, projects that it's just like, we got to test, we got to iterate, we got to move. And do we have a bias fraction? Meaning are we getting stuff done and cranking it out? So that was kind of what it meant for us um, in our environment is we, we move fast. And are you willing to move fast with us too? Yeah. And I think to your point, I mean, what, what really hinders people from moving fast is that fear of making a mistake. Mm-hmm. And when a leader can say, Hey, I support you trying mm-hmm. <laughs> regardless of the outcome. Or even getting to a point within yourself, it's like, gosh, worst case scenario, I make a mistake and God forbid I get let go for making a mistake. It's like, well, depending on how big the mistake was, you may not have even wanted to work at a place that's going to fire you over making a mistake because 
that's where we learn and, and that's where we grow. So thank you so and, much, Brooke. Oh, no, keep going, Brooke, keep going. Oh, no, I was just going to say one more thing. Just on the entrepreneurial journey, the making mistakes, um, that has been hard for me um, to take my own advice there. But some of it is just even with my content, sometimes content doesn't land. And I'm like, oh, well, that didn't land, you know? So I started looking at what has been resonating and then writing more of that. And I used to get super hung up even before I'd hit post, like, oh, this, I don't even know if I should say this. And if it doesn't land, it doesn't land. Okay. That's information for me to know my audience wants more of X versus Y. Well, and just like you said, I mean, if you can take the personal emotion out of it and look at it as, as a brand, that's exactly what we did for brands. That's exactly what I did for brands. It's exactly what you do for brands. It's like, let's test, let's optimize, let's see what's working. Let's do more of that. But I know uh, you're probably seeing this as well as I am. The more vulnerable I get in a post, the more engagement I get. And then I have those, oh crap moments. I need to to share what's really going on. And what's really going on is we're successful women. We're running our own businesses, but at the end of the day, we still have uh, fears and we're still learning as we go, building the plane as we fly, which I love so much. And I'm very thankful that you're a part of my community as I'm on my journey and you're such a great community builder. Um, I'm just grateful for you and grateful for you taking the time to come talk on my podcast today. Of course. Thank you. I'm grateful for you as well. We were definitely destined to meet and it's just been an honor to, to be a part of your journey. Well, thank you so much, Brooke. I can't wait to have you back. And uh, everyone go follow Brooke, at least on LinkedIn, but where would you like to direct the listeners to? Yeah. So I have two websites, uh, brookeonthegrow.com. So that's a website documenting my personal and professional growth journey. And then thegrowcmo.co. I love it. I love it. Well, hopefully you'll uh, engage with a few of our listeners. I know your story is really going to resonate with so many. So thank you again, Brooke, for sharing it. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.